So we're going to do a couple of unique things this morning. Um, being Christmas um, the day before, we're going to spend some time doing some reflection, um, kind of in relation to the purpose of Christmas. And it's been an exceptionally tumultuous year, I think we would say globally. Um, I just know in a lot of people's lives in this body, it's been a really tough year, people that I know intimately. And so we want to take a minute in light of Christmas, I think, to reflect on some of that and to try to set aside some of our anxious thoughts because we all are carrying things in our hearts, right, in our lives. I don't think anybody's living a perfect life right now. So we want to take some time the day before Christmas to set aside um, our every anxious thought. So we'd like to pause and be still, and I'd like to invite you to pray with me. So would you stand for this? I'd like you to pray with me the words of Psalm 27, verses 1, 3, and 4 to 5. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You are the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from you, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life to gaze on your beauty and to seek you in your temple. For in the day of trouble, you will keep me safe in your dwelling. You will hide me in the shelter of your sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Amen. You may be seated. In the book of Revelation chapter 21, John, we're going to spend a lot of time with John this morning. John describes what new creation is going to be like. We've been talking about the already and the not yet, what that not yet is when we get to that new creation. Here's what he says in verses 3 and 4, verses 22 and 24 of the second to last chapter of the Bible. He says of that new creation, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Don't you long for that day? I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine upon it for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So Advent, the whole purpose of this, and when we do Advent, if you're doing it at home, what we do here, it's about waiting and desiring. It's about hope-filled longing. That's what Advent is to be. And it is about kind of re-inviting or seeing Jesus, who is the light of the world, we're told in John's Gospel inviting him to be at work in my life, in the darkness in my life, and to be at work in this world, though very beautiful, is still broken um, and very corrupt, right, and dark. So what we want to do this morning is take a few minutes to reflect and to pray. And first, I want us to pause and think about ourselves, okay? I want us to think about the pattern our life is weaving. That's part of what the end of the year is for. 
And I want us to think of some of the difficulties and the darkness that I'm personally experiencing in my life. Perhaps broken relationship, a financial strain, poor health, trying circumstances, a change in life situation, perhaps a major loss that I've had this year. So we're really focusing on this year. So here's what I'd like to do. I want you to take a few minutes and to name the things in your life that are not exactly how you would like them. And just to, to name them and to, t- to lift them up for the Lord. So let's take a minute to do that. Now, we're still going to reflect on ourselves. I want to change the focus a little bit. Knowing in the words of Psalm 139, 11 to 12, that even if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even there the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And confessing in the words of John 1, 4 to 5, that in Jesus is life, And that that life was the light of all mankind, that that light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. I want to pause. I want us to all pause and pray for ourselves, bringing before him the known to me darkness in my own heart, because we all have that. So I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to confess to him um, your recent sins that you've been struggling with and those sins that just beset you all the time. Can we take those before the Lord, confess them to Him, and offer them up to Him? We just prayed about the known to me darkness in my heart, but we also know that linger in our hearts, in the crevices of our soul, are darkness that we do not even know that God has not yet revealed and brought to the surface. So would you pray with me, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, 
my, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we're going to continue to pray two more things. So Jesus, light of life, illuminate my darkness. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. May the life of Christ be born afresh in me today. Second, I want us to turn um, to people we know around us and that we care about. Um, People we know for whom life this year has been a lot of darkness and difficulty. Again, people profoundly affected by broken relationships, financial strain, poor health, difficult life circumstances, a change in life situation, a major loss that's happened in the family this year. So I would like us to take a a few minutes, okay, to name those people and to take them before the Lord and to ask him to, to minister to them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and do that. Would you please pray what's on the screen with me? Jesus, light of life, illuminate their darkness. And I would like to pray. Lord, may your tender mercy upon those living in darkness and walking in the shadow of death, may you guide their feet into the path of peace. Amen. Finally, I want to turn our attention to the world. There's been a lot of international crisis, a lot of stuff happening in the world. It seems like, again, more than normal. I don't know. I would like you to think of a nation, an international crisis, something going on where there's darkness globally that has caught your attention, that's broken your heart. And I would like us to take a minute before the Lord to name it to Him and to pray for those situations and the people 
in those places. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I think of the places in the world where chaos and death and destruction reign right now. The war in Israel, the Ukraine, the civil war in northern Ethiopia that's affecting the mission that we support there, the civil war in Myanmar, the civil war in Yemen, Civil War in Uganda and the Democratic Republic that's spilling over and affecting so many people there. Lord, the Civil War in Syria. And I think of the places, Lord, in the world where our brothers and sisters are severely persecuted for their faith. Especially believers in Nigeria. Lord, pray for those in that community where 80 were killed in a bomb blast a couple of weeks ago in a church there. And anybody, any family that's still around, just pray for that community. Lord, pray for the Philippines, for the church there that was bombed just a week ago. And the, the believers in the southern part of that country. Pray for believers in North Korea. So many of them in labor camps for life. Um, for believers in Somalia, Pakistan, Iran, and Sudan who all suffer so much for their faith. Would you pray with me? What's on the screen? Jesus, light of life, illuminate the darkness. Can we do that again? Jesus, the light of life, illuminate the darkness. Jesus, Prince of Peace, may your shalom reign in those places. And then would you pray, pray a closing prayer with me? Thank you, Father, that you sent your Son to save us. May the hope of Jesus be born again amongst us this Christmas. We who have so much to do seek quiet spaces to hear your voice today. We who are anxious over many things look forward to your coming among us. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We are your people walking in darkness yet seeking light. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will come again in glory, that all the kingdoms of this world will be your kingdom, that every eye will see it. We long for you to return and make everything new. And to you we say, come, Lord Jesus.
Come, Lord Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Yeah, thank you for your patience with that. Um, maybe it's part of getting older. Um, I feel like I don't, I've never walked with so many people through the valley of shadow of death. This is this year. So thank you for lifting those people up. I continue even to, to encourage you even tomorrow to pray the same things just for your own self, for people you know, for the world on Christmas Day. So, okay, can we shift gears for a minute? Uh, whenever I get on the highway with the grandkids from Walmart going to our house, Nellie's always like, faster, Grandpa, faster. So I, we've just gotten off industrial. I'm getting onto the, the highway, okay? So I'm going to change gears a little bit from that time of quiet. Um, as kind of a, the entry ramp onto that, just let me say a couple things. A reminder that on February 25th, we're going to have a baptism. So if the Lord is speaking to you about that, please let us know. You can get on the website. There's a place on there that talks about baptism. You can click on there to let us know. You can talk to Lisa or Jordan or I or anybody on the staff, Melissa. Also, January 20th, we're going to be doing that Saturday morning um, kind of mini conference, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's great stuff. It will help you in any relationship, again, in parenting, in marriage, in friendship, in work. So I encourage you to think about that. Also, Bible write, reading plan. I announced this last week, but we've got the Bible reading plan in the back for those of you that want to read through the Bible in the year. A very unique way of approaching the New Testament. I'm excited about it. And then I have a few people that every year ask me, are we going to have a chance this year to to do what's called an examine and to reflect on 2023 in our own hearts and where are we and what has God done in our lives and where am I at? And so on the back, um, I do have this year's examine that you can take and I encourage you sometime this week. If you could go through that and reflect on those questions, I find it very helpful every year. I've also brought back there, put something that John Newton personally did every year um, who wrote Amazing Grace and it's great questions that are very convicting. So on the way out, you can grab those. Also, on the church website, um, if you're online or if you're even here and you just want to do that, you can hold your phone up and use that QR code to access, to access that. So, okay, we are getting on the highway now, so to speak, okay? And what I want to do this morning is I want to ask a really important question, and the question is this, what is the true gift of Christmas? Oops, before I do that, here, here's the entry ramp. I totally forgot about this. I was looking online for whacked gifts you can get for people. Sorry, look at this one. Bath and brew, don't you love that? You have your, uh, your brewer up in, the, in your shower. Um, maybe they'll, what's, what's the cup thing? What are those, you put the little pods, huh? Yeah, maybe Keurig can, uh, can do that, take it to the next level. How about this? Pet sweeper, for those of you who have dogs and cats at home, um, just put those on their feet and they sweep up. Uh, I love this one, the chef band. For those of you who love to cook, you can have all your utensils up on your, up on your head. They get better as we go. I love this one, the spider terrarium. Uh, terrarium. Uh, and it didn't say it on the box, but I put this up here. Like It should have like 100 brown recluse spiders in it. Is that not... An exciting thing to have with your boa constrictor that can get out of its cage or aquarium. And then I think my favorite one is this one. Here, for people who love jigsaw puzzles, get this for your family member who loves to do puzzles. Uh, 
And some of us here who love puzzles, I promise, Gimples, I will never buy that for you if you don't ever buy that for me. Um, But here's what I want to do this morning. I do want to talk about gifts and the gift, and I want to ask this question, what is the true gift of Christmas? We could say it this way, what is the primary gift that God offers? What's the primary gift? What's the one gift that He wants everybody in the whole world to receive from Him? Everybody in the planet. What's the one thing He most wants everybody to receive? And for a long time, the way I answered this question, or the way I understood it, is I would have said eternal life was the gift that He wanted to give everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that answer per se, because Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin of death, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is what? It's eternal life through Jesus or in Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, but here's what I want you to realize this morning, something I didn't realize till probably 20 years into following Jesus, that eternal life is not the primary gift that God wants to give everybody. It's not the primary gift that He wants to give. Now, before you stone me or take me out to throw me off the cliff or run me out of town on a rail, um, I want you to hang with me, okay? Because our text this morning is a really unusual but profound Christmas text, and so what I want you to do is I want you to turn the first letter of John that he wrote. So first John, it's towards the very back of your Bible. If you don't, uh, if you're on your phone, you can find it easily. If you still are getting used to the Bible, if you go to the back and work, work backwards, you'll see the letters of John. So first John chapter one is where we're going to be. And again, we're going to spend a lot of time with John this morning as we seek to answer this question of what is the true gift of Christmas? Now, before I jump into the text, I need to tell you two quick things and what else would I do, right? Um, First, when we read this text, you're going to see that history is very important to John. It's very important to him, and that eyewitness testimony is central to everything that he writes. When he speaks of Jesus, he speaks as an eyewitness. So he's going to talk about, he's going to say, I heard him. So everything he taught, John heard. He's going to say, I saw him. So he saw everything he did, including his miracles. And then he said, I actually touched him. And he's referring to not just in daily life, you know, the the man hug they got occasionally or just giving a pat in the back, but he touched him after the resurrection. So let us not forget that when we're looking at the Gospels, we are looking at eyewitness accounts, and especially John's. I mean, all of them, but John's is one of them, the Gospel of John. They're eyewitness accounts that were circulated widely during the time when the people who witnessed those events were still living, the people who loved Jesus and hated Jesus, okay, thousands of people were still living when these four accounts were circulated. And not only that, they were circulated in a very hostile environment where most people were against Jesus. And that's why that the fact that they're eyewitness accounts is so important. And What that means, and this is really important to me, is that our faith is built upon historical claims that are thoroughly, that I can investigate them, and that can be verified historically. So I just want to say that when we read this, you're going to see how important his eyewitness testimony is to him. The other thing that you're going to see is you're going to see, if you know the Gospel of John well, chapter 1, you're going to see a lot of similarities with the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Don't turn there. I would like to read that and show that to you before we jump into our text, which is 1 John 1 to 3. And here's what 1 John 1, 4, 1, 1 to 4 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has, that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so when we read 1 John 1, 1 to 3, just listen for the similarities. And I'd like to invite Jack Jewett to come back up on the stage, and he is going to read for us um, the Word of God. So would you, yeah, I'll let you take it from here, Jack. We stand for the reading of the Word. This is 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That which was heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Jack. I want to read this also in the New Living Translation. It's going to be on the right. And here's what it says. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see in this text this morning. Here's what I want you to see, that the NIV says, the life appeared and we proclaim to you the eternal life. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, this one who is life itself revealed, was revealed. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. Do you get the, do you get the implications of the scripture? It's so profound. That Jesus himself is life. He is life. Just as is true of the Father. It's true of the Father, that Jesus has life in himself, and he is the source of all life. And that's why in John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am, for those of you who were on our series last spring, I am the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Or as John writes in him of John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. But it's more than just that he is life, okay? He, Jesus, being the eternal one, being coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he is not just life, he is eternal life. He is eternal life. And that's why John can say in our text this morning that the life appeared, we proclaim to you the eternal life. Or again in the NLT, the one who is life itself was revealed, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. Does that make sense? Very important concept. 
So the gift that God most wants to give the world is Jesus. That is the primary gift he wants to give to every single human being. Jesus himself is the gift. And that's why in John 3.16, that really famous text that God says, that, that it says John writes that God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. He gave the son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's, that's who the gift is. That's why all the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament talk about this, especially one of the most famous being Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, which is one we hear a lot at Christmas, where Isaiah prophesied this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And since Jesus is eternal life, since he is eternal life, he possesses and is the source of eternal life, since that's the reality, to receive Jesus is to receive, what do you think? Eternal life. To receive him is to receive eternal life. If you get him, you get eternal life. It is a package deal. It's a package deal. So with this understanding in our pocket, I want to go back to Romans 6.23 which for a long time I a little bit misunderstood because I thought the focus was on eternal life. But it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal life is in Jesus. Even Paul talks about that. So the focus in the New Testament is not on on eternal life. The focus is on Jesus. It's on Jesus. So this morning, so Jesus, he's the frost, he's the cake. Eternal life is the frosting, so to speak, right? Um, for younger people, you don't get that. You're like, the frosting is the most important part. Um, when you get to my age, you understand why my parents used to scrape frosting off of cake and just eat the cake and give us the frosting, because the older you get, the more you realize frosting's too sweet and the cake's the best part. I know you don't understand that, but when you hit 50, you will. But Jesus is the cake, eternal life is the frosting, okay? And that is why John 5.12 says a very significant thing. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. Simple as that. You have the Son, you have life. Or why Jesus says in John 17.3, let me back up, it's on there, in 17.3, now this is eternal life. What's eternal life, Jesus? That you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is him talking to the Father. So he defines eternal life as knowing the Father and knowing him. And I put up there that Greek word know is the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko in Greek is much more than head knowledge. It's not just knowing about, right? Like I know about President Biden. I do not know him, okay? It's to know somebody experientially. It's to know somebody personally. Um, It's deep relational knowledge. It is to know intimately. And Jesus in his prayer says, eternal life is this. It is knowing the Father intimately. It's knowing me intimately. And I think all of that helps us to understand the point of verse 3 in this morning's text, so I want to take you back to it. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 
That word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. Some of you have heard me reference that before. It's a word that refers to very deep intimacy and connection. Deep intimacy and connection. So Christmas and the message, the good news of Jesus, it is all about relationship. It's all about relationship. It's about knowing Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. It's about walking with him intimately as your friend, which he talks about in John 15, 5. 15, 15. And to me, this is all so significant because I know my background before I came to Jesus. I still know, I know this is what I was like, I know a lot of people who what they want is they want heaven, right? They want heaven. They don't want when they die to go to that other place, right? Where there's, where there's judgment and eternal judgment to hell. Nobody wants to go there. I mean, who doesn't want to go to heaven, right? But I want you to know the goal in the Bible is not heaven. The goal in the Bible is not heaven. It is Jesus, and it's a relationship with him. That is the goal of the Bible, not getting to heaven. It's knowing him, having this relationship with this person. And that's why I frequently tell people the emphasis in the Bible is on when it talks about heaven, it's not primarily heaven as a place. I'm not saying heaven's not a place. That is not the emphasis of heaven in the Bible. In the Bible, the emphasis on heaven is as presence, not place, presence. It is the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it is internally living in relationship and connection and koinonia with them. That's the emphasis in the Bible. You see the difference between the two? That difference makes all the difference in the world. So, the gift of God... If, if I'd asked you ahead of time that first question, if somebody had shouted out the Sunday school answer, Jesus, you would have been right this time, okay? The gift of God is Jesus, and Jesus is eternal life. He is eternal life. So to have Jesus is to have eternal life. So I think here's the question that I had to ask at one point, and it's this, how do I get this gift, specifically the gift of Jesus? And John answers that in his gospel, chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, where he says that Jesus, he, Jesus, came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They didn't receive him. Isn't that sad? The most people don't receive the creator who came to have a relationship. They did not receive him. But to those who do receive him, to those who do receive him, that is, they believe in his name. He gives them the right to become the children of God. And when you become the child of God and you have Jesus, you have eternal life. That word receive, it is a gift word, right? You receive a gift. It's not just a gift word. It's a word of welcome. And some translations translate it as welcome him. Um, we don't use this a ton, of, ton in English. But when somebody comes to your house, we might say you receive them. Is that right? And that means you're welcoming them into your home. So to receive also means to welcome. To welcome him. To those who welcome him. Personally, he gives the right to become the children of God. And specifically, the text says you receive him, you welcome him by believing in his name. By believing in his name. We talked about this last year, right? In that culture, a person's name represented the essence of who they were. In the totality of who they were. That's what that means. And so to believe in his name is for me to fully place my trust and my commitment to him in what he claims about himself and in the things he did for me, especially what he did for me on the cross, where he died to bring me back into relationship with himself. So 
What is the true gift of Christmas? It is Jesus Christ, and Christ means Messiah, so it's Jesus the Messiah, our Lord and our Savior, the one who personally carried my sins on the cross, him. The one, though he was without sin, he became a sin offering for me, for me, so that I could be made right with God, that one. The one of whom Isaiah said in chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought peace on him, that brought me peace, was on him. And it is by his wounds that I and that we all are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Of us all. The iniquity of me, of Steve. I'm just kind of looking at some people. Tony, right? Wayne, Nick. The iniquity of us all. Chris. Skip, Mo, Tony, the other Tony, Evan, Kevin, right, Patrick, or as Nelly says it, Hattrick, <laughs> right, sorry, <laughs> the snort, that's what you want to do. When you have a lot of people online, you want to do the online snort, that's great. The Lord has put on him the iniquity of us all, all of us, all of us. And the one who offers us true life in himself, this one, I want you to know it's not just simply quantity of life. That word in the Greek, I'm not going to go into all the detail. It doesn't just refer to forever life. It actually refers more deeply to quality of life, okay? Jesus, by coming to him and receiving him and the life that he offers, what he gives you is not just forever life. He gives you the truly good life. He gives you the life that is truly human flourishing. And that is why in John 10.10, he says, I've come that you might have life, that you can have it to the full, to the full. And why Paul in 1 Timothy 6.19 implores all of us, take hold of the life that is truly life. He would, he would sit here this morning and say, please, take Jesus. He's not just eternal life. He's true life in all of your life. So, the true gift of Christmas is it's Jesus. Because Jesus is life and He is also eternal life. And to have Him is to have life and eternal life. So I just want to wrap up by speaking briefly, briefly to those who don't know Jesus personally. Because I know anytime we gather, there are always people in here who have not entered into that personal relationship with Him and with the Father, who have not yet placed their full trust in Him and what He did on the cross. So if that's you this morning, if you don't know, if you'd say, I really don't know what that means. I've, I've heard this. It's intriguing. What it means to receive the forgiveness of God through Jesus, what it means to receive Him, to accept Him personally, to welcome Him in my life. If, if you would say that's you... Or, if you're here this morning, because there, there are people in here who have been seeking Jesus for, for time, and you're like, you know what, this now is the time, this is the morning, it is time for me to make that decision. I'm ready for that. If, if either of those of you, I want to offer two things. First, I would love to talk to you about that. And there's other people you know in this body, you're pro maybe closer, probably closer to than me. Grab somebody who knows Jesus and say, I want to talk to you about what it means to receive this gift of Him. I want to know what that looks like. Um, if you want to do that this morning, I'm going to hang around up here at the end of the service. If there's anybody here, even if you're like, I'm not quite ready to decide, I just want to hear more, um, I would love to just to sit up here and talk with you, okay? 
So this morning, if you, by the way, if you want to talk to me about something else, there's nothing wrong with that, but this morning is not the time, okay? I just want to be here in case somebody wants to talk to me about Jesus. Or if you're kind of new to this and you're like, I don't know what to think and I'm not ready to talk to somebody, but I want to hear more, um, on the back pub booth on the way out, I have a Gospel of Mark that's been done in a really cool format. They gave it to people who didn't even know Jesus and they were reading it for the first time. And to see the notes they were writing about him is so fascinating. But it will take you through one of the, one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And on the back is a booklet that talks to you about how you can get to know him personally. So if you're here and you're like, I'm curious, I'm not ready to talk to somebody, grab one of those on the way out. Um, you're welcome to have one of those. If you're online and you're like, I would love to have one of these, just get on the church website under contact, send an email. Melissa will get it, and she'll let me know. We would love to get one of these into your hands. And finally, I want to speak to those here who know Jesus intimately as Lord and Savior. And two things I want to say. First, first, point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Don't point people and focus on views or issues or politics or whatever, okay? That's not the point. Point people to Jesus because what he wants and what the Father wants is that people would be compelled and come to him, would move to him, would be drawn by him, would come to love him. So can we all make it our commitment as we're dealing with people, we want to show people in our lives Jesus and we want to talk about Jesus. Can we do that? Can we do that? As a people of 12th Avenue, let's be people who point people to Jesus. Let's keep the focus on him because he is the gift Okay? Not issues or anything else. He's the gift, and eternal life is found in Him. And then, speaking of Jesus, my second challenge for those of us who know Jesus. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9.15, here's what Paul says about Jesus. He says, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Well, the King James puts it, calls Jesus the unspeakable gift. The ESV, this inexpressible gift or the New Living Translation, this gift too wonderful for words. So to those of us who've received Jesus, we know Him personally as our Savior, our Teacher, our Lord, and our friend. Pause a little bit tomorrow in the meal, the gifts, all the craziness, the Chiefs football game, maybe not during the game, okay, but in all the craziness, pause for a minute, Thank the Father for Him and thank Jesus for coming to give His life on the cross for me so that I could know Him and have eternal life. So give thanks for Him. Just take a pause and do that. Jesus, this indescribable, unspeakable, inexpressible, too wonderful words gift. Do you not feel that this morning? Do you not know that that's Jesus? Because truly He is the reason for the season. So, family, you bear a very significant gift. If you have Jesus, you know that. Can we pass him on to others? Can we even choose this year, like, I'm going to pray for one or two people in particular that I would love to have an opportunity to pass Jesus on to them. Rob wasn't here and didn't get to tell you. On his flight home, he sat next to a woman on a long flight who was asking some big questions, and he was able to share Jesus with her. Okay. So 12th, we bear a precious gift. Let's, we want to give him to others. So 12th, I'm, what I'm asking is let us live sent lives. Let's live sent lives. I'll see you back here tonight, 6 or 7.30.
if you're not able to come back tonight, Merry Christmas. Have a great day. Celebrate Him. Enjoy family. But think about Him, the greatest gift of all, okay? Can I pray for us? Would you stand? Father, thank you for Jesus, this indescribable gift. Now, those many years ago, you helped me to see my sin, and you brought me to him, to bow my knee to him, to come to him, to welcome him, so that I could know you and be forgiven and have eternal life, but just have you walking with me daily in my life. So we thank you today for him. Lord, tomorrow, in the busyness of the day, may we not forget you Help us all to take that pause and reflect on the reason for the season, which is you. Um, Eternally grateful. You radically changed my life. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know you and their hearts are strangely warmed, may they pursue you, may they grab the New Testament, may they talk to somebody they know about what it means to receive you. Because this is the gift you so desperately want everybody to receive. And so we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who is life and who is eternal life. We pray in his name. Amen. And God, all God's people said, all right. Merry Christmas, everybody. You are sent.